Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Guys Podcast. This is your host, Will. I'm here joined by my co-host, Jaren. What is up, guys? Today, we are going to be getting into Jason Kidd's first preseason loss as a Dallas Mavericks head coach. He is now 5-1. and one. Obviously, that's not really the significance of any of this, but uh, Jaren uh, found a cool little dig. So we're going to be... Um, Covering the Mavericks' loss to the Magic, 110 to 105 in preseason. Obviously, not concerned about the final score. It's preseason, but we will go over the game and who all played and the significance of the rotations and everything, because that is what it's is what it's important from these games. As the Mavericks only have one more preseason game for the regular season starts, and um, and it's going to be October 14th um, versus the Jazz, if I believe. Um, yes. Yep. So, you know. The Mavericks elected to only have three preseason games, so going by pretty fast here. As but we do have a little week gap in between games, so we're going to be pulling content out of our butts for you guys, for lack of a better term. Um, anyhow, we'll be getting into that, and then the Tim McMahon ESPN tweet uh, news, whatever you want to call it, that dropped today in regards to Jason Kidd's. Well, I guess it wasn't really Tim McMahon's, you know, news, but. What he reported um, that Jason Kidd um, is now has now decided to or go back to Spencer Dinwiddie coming off the bench and what that means and the connotations that could provide for what the Mavericks starting lineup is going to look like going forward and what the Mavericks rotation is going to look like going forward because this is pretty um, this is obviously very intriguing news. We thought that the Mavericks had this rotation of Luca Christian Wood, the two wings, the Bang Bros. And Dorian Finney-Smith and Reggie Bullock and JaVale McGee, we thought that this was going to be the starting lineup heading into the season. And now that there's obviously trepidation over that and that appears that that's not going to be the case, it's really intriguing to see how the Mavericks are going to start the season and how that's going to carry on going forward. But before we get into all that good stuff, here's an ad from our sponsor, Anchor. All right, so for those of you guys listening today here on Sunday, October 9th, when this is released, the Mavericks obviously played two days ago, October 7th versus the Orlando magic there first. And I believe the only game at the AAC for preseason and which yes. they lost 110 to one Oh five. I was not able to watch all of the game. Unfortunately, I was subjected to only watching just the mere first and fourth quarter for the most part. But Jaron, on the other hand, was fortunately able to watch most of the game. Uh, have no fear. We will always be watching all the regular season games as much as we can attend to. Um, but unfortunately we had some, uh, you know, just given a season. You uh, had some. Yes, I had <laughs> a severe mishap and was unable to watch it. So um, the uh, second, third quarter, that is. So, Jaron, just getting into it, um, From let's just start from the get-go. In that first quarter, what did you see, just from a pacing perspective, in terms of how the Mavericks hopped off the gate, Luka got off to an insanely hot, uh, hot start. It seemed like they were kind of just about to run the table on this um, young Magic squad. Yeah, you know, getting out to it, um, I mean, the pace was amazing. The first four minutes into the game in particular, it just looked amazing. Uh, it looked like this unit had played with each other before. And I mean, to since they had, um, but I guess with the additions of Jaden Hardy and JaVale McGee, you know, it brings a little, a little block um, in terms of that chemistry, <clears throat> but really it didn't look like they had any mishaps. Uh, they got off to a hot start. I believe it was like 16 to four at one point or something like that. Um, somewhere in there. Um, but I mean, just from pick and rolls to Luca step backs, like whatever it was, like the whole team was on, the whole team was clicking, uh, in that starting unit. And it was honestly really, really fun to watch. No, most definitely. I mean, I wouldn't really, um, uh, much as much call it a chemistry block as it is, you know, just, um, incorporating new people, you know, that's, um, sometimes where the difficulties lies in terms of picking back up where you left off. But, you know, obviously it's not, it's just preseason, so it's not like this, you know, it has any like an insane amount of validity to it or anything like that. But the Mavericks looked very fluid on offense in that first quarter. Um, 
they were getting up and down. They were um, their off ball defense, the team defense that we saw that carried us through that second half of the season last year seemed very prominent in that first quarter. Um, guys, everybody knew where they were supposed to be. The rotations looked crisp. Even guys that, you know, you wouldn't consider quote unquote good defenders were in the right spots doing the right things. Um, Luca kind of just looked like he was toying with guys out there. Like yeah. he was just sort of manipulating the ma- magic defense. Um, I mean, he just whipped like, behind the back pass and then overhead pass to the uh, left uh, corner three to um, Reggie Bullock and JaVale McGee can, uh, respectively in consec- and I believe consecutive positions. Uh, both of the threes didn't go in, of course. But, um, I mean, it was just insane to see, like, the level of – I mean, just how damn good Luca is at basketball. Um, having not seen him in that first preseason game, it, it almost comes effortless to him. I mean, it didn't even seem like he was, you know, trying out there. Um the way that, you know, he just so subtly, um, you know, if a guy hedges on a screen or he goes under, he knows exactly how to manipulate it and, you know, use his body, his body control. We obviously know he's just completely off the charts. Um, and, then, you know, if a guy over hedges, then that guy's on Lucas' hip and he's going to take him um, all the way to the basket. And that guy's either going to foul him from behind or and uh you know Luca's going to the free throw line or it's an easy two points or it's a dump off alley oop to one of Christian Wood or Javel McGee or you know worst case scenario defense collapses wide open corner three to you know one of your wings and this is the sort of construct that we see that we've seen within this Mavericks offense uh, all of last year just in terms of play style you know a rolling um you know a spot uh, a big you know you know, given like Dwight Powell, for instance, in the dunker spots, then you have your wings on the outside and then, you know, a, another ball handler at top. Um, if, you know, they have to swing the ball back out and, you know, you need a guy that's also able to create. And it, that first uh, quarter, even though Spencer Dinwiddie, who we forgot to mention at the start of the podcast, wasn't even starting. It was Jaden yeah. Hardy. It just seems so emblematic of the off- uh, the Mavericks offenses of, you know, just uh, the last year in the sense of how they were operating in that first quarter, you know, albeit it is just a preseason game. And, you know, I've, I will continue to hammer that um, till my face falls off. Uh, uh, that didn't make any sense, but anyhow, um, I just really um, was in awe of the fact, just being able to watch Luca again. I just wanted to really like commemorate that. Cause I mean, that got me insanely psyched for the season. Um, just seeing his level of play, especially in tandem with Christian Wood. So yeah. I guess for you, Jaron, I want you to elaborate upon Luca and Christian Woods play together because I thought that that was really eye-opening for me because we've, you know, obviously discussed all offseason how this could materialize, how good these two are going to be together. But to actually see it in person is something, um, you know, just a little bit different and uh, more special per se. So uh, what do you think of Luca and Christian Woods um, fit together? And just from the uh, limited time together that you saw in that first half and that uh, third quarter from um, them working within the pick and roll and the pick and pop together. Yeah. uh, I guess just let me start out by saying um, all these people that had questions about Luca's, I guess, I don't even want to say health, but just kind of how fit he is uh, headed into the season. I think that those answers were pretty much answered or those questions are pretty much answered um, two nights ago. Um, but yeah, with the match with Christian Wood, you know, we, we preached it all off season that, um, this is just a natural fit. Uh, we saw it two nights ago against Orlando magic. And even whenever the ball is being forced inside, it seemed like it was just, it was something that was just going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it didn't seem like you could stop it at all. Uh, and I, I think that as this tandem, the, this little duo, they kind of get more used to each other because that was their first game playing against or playing with each other. Um, I, I think that's amazing in itself that these guys were able to connect that often. And this was really their first time only playing a quarter together. Keep that in mind. Um, so I'm interested to see, you know, how this duo kind of keeps going. Uh, like I think Christian Wood will probably be coming off the bench. It seems like for at least the start of the season, uh, I, I'm interested to see, you know, Luca, kind of blend into that bench unit. Christian Wood seems like, well, I guess with Spencer Dinwiddie, we might, Christian Wood might be the seventh guy now. Um, well, so like, I, I'm just interested to see, you know, what, how, how can the offense stay maintainable 
while you know it being Luca the only starter out on the floor because that's what it seems like it's going to kind of be um but yeah, I guess just kind of going back to the duo like like I mentioned earlier you know from the pick and roll to I think that they had one possession where it's kind of a pick and pop um uh, I, I feel like it was a kick out back to Luca actually um but either way like this duo just looked natural and that was their first time playing together no I, yeah it w- it looked you know insane especially like you said it was their first time playing together um in an actual game not just practice training camp or fan jam or anything like that so that was really cool to see um just in terms of how hard to stop that that duo is going to be when they're on the floor together even if it's just in minutes when Christian Woods coming out the bench and in minutes where he and Luca are you know playing you know obviously while Luca may be starting or you know however they end up constructing it needless to say I feel like those two are going to be getting a lot of minutes together yeah um, just based on how good they were together and you know I would probably expect Christian Wood to close games to at the very least um you know, obviously you, you could say, oh, this is a big takeaway. It's just a preseason game. But I mean, I really don't know if that's that far fetched, you know, despite him not starting. I just think that that is a duo that you have to lean on in pivotal moments, you know, especially at the end of the game. Especially um, for offensive purposes. No, exactly. You know, because it's an offensive league um, at this point in the NBA's lifespan, whether you want to admit it or not. And, um, you know, you always hear the saying, um, like good defense, better offense. And, you know, that's very emblematic of how this league is kind of structured today. So, you know, obviously defense is um, hugely and wildly important, but, you know, if when it comes down to it, you want, you know, your two best players on the floor, which is arguably Christian Wooden, you know, Luka Doncic, you know, you can always make the argument of Dorian or uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, but regardless, those guys are in the top four. So, you know, you want your best five guys out there, regardless at the end of the game. Um, so, no, that was really cool to see. Obviously, Christian Wood had an amazing performance, 23 points. Um, I don't – I can't remember his exact um, field goal um, attempts and makes and what have you, but uh, – He went 8 of 12 from the field. But he played a really, like, complete game. I saw a lot of Mass yeah. fans on Twitter talking about how this is everything KP was not. And, I mean, to an extent, offensively, that's kind of what he is. Like, he, you know, is able to seal guys off and – um, he works really well in the pick and roll. Um, he can he can stroke it. He shot three for six from three. Yeah, like um, really, really good. I mean, he can he can just pull up like he shot 39% last year. I mean, this is on a consistent basis and volume from Christian Wood in terms of his shooting ability. He's a big that can play five out, you know, consistently. Um, and that's not something that, you know, he was even known for like whatsoever when he first came to the league. So he's developed this. So for us to see this on a consistent basis – if this is that, you know, something that's going to come to fruition, like we've seen him play like this with the Rockets last year. I mean, this is what KP should have been in Dallas in terms of a big that's able to, you know, have that dynamic relationship with uh, Luca in the uh, pick and pop and the pick and roll. And just in terms of the spacing he provides. So, you know, does that um, obviously, you know, do you, do you see why fans draw the comparison to that? No, yeah, I, I definitely see why. Uh, and really all offseason, that was kind of the narrative is like this guy was looked at as a KP, but in the extent that you're not giving up, all, like there's not as much risk in it. Um, I don't know. One thing that I kind of want to reiterate is in your limited time watching the game um, Friday night, did you see any like real big defensive mishaps? No, but I mean, one of the quarters I was watching was garbage time and the other okay. yeah. I mean in the um first quarter of course like all the starters were playing they were completely running the floor in the magic and I, I mean I thought it, it was excellent defense from the Mavericks like I said at the beginning of the podcast it was you know very um you know it was very uh similar to what they did last year um when they had a top 10 defense and the team defense just looked so in sync in terms of guys you know being there on their rotations uh moving well like the off-ball defense um, the team defense for that matter, um, you know, like looked as if it was greater than the individual. And honestly, like that's what I saw in that first quarter. And then obviously like in garbage time, like, you know, you're just playing your third stringers versus your third stringers. So I don't want to take too much from that, but I mean, yeah, I mean, in my time that I was watching the game, no, I mean, I guess I didn't see any really yeah. mishaps. Like, I guess I, I probably should have answered that. I watched the whole game, 
Um, just really throughout the whole game, like I didn't see anything amazing, um, but nothing that stood out to me. Like Wednesday night versus uh, Oklahoma City, like there were some really bad defensive possessions. Um, it seemed like it was a much cleaner game. And to be honest, like the the bigs on Orlando, I feel like are probably better than in Oklahoma City. You know, you have guys like – Oh, undoubtedly. Yeah, Wendell Carter. Uh, I mean, you can kind of throw Bobo in there. Um, hey, but, Bobo you know, in the fourth quarter looked um, – No, he actually looked pretty good. I won't he lie. He looked interesting. I'll say yeah. that. Um, but yeah, what I was getting at is, you know, Christian Wood had a much better defensive game just in terms of consistency. Like, I didn't see anything bad. I didn't see anything, like, amazing, of course. But I think that's really all we need out of Christian Wood for him to be this, quote-unquote, second-best guy or even really for him to move up into that kind of second – or move him up into the uh, starting role, I think. Yeah, I mean, even if he's not in the starting role, just to have a definitive, like, second-fiddle guy next to Luca is something that this team definitely needs. And, I mean, I don't know if Christian Wood's necessarily the, you know, the second star next to Luca or anything like that if you're trying to play that narrative. But um, second best player on the Mavericks, you know, that's definitely feasible. And, you know, obviously he'll have to prove that to us. But uh, needless to say, his game versus the Magic was a good start just in the sense of how, you know, Christian Wood was an excellent sealer. Um, you know, he's really good, doesn't take dumb threes, but, you know, he's a really good spot-up shooter, but will also pull the trigger um, if he has to pull up a little bit. Um, and, you know, he does have a sort of like a little bit of his back-to-the-basket game. And, I mean, he can, you know, if he has to, he can, you know, pull up from 18 feet, you know, take a turnaround fadeaway. You know, obviously it's not the ideal shot. That's not where you want him operating the most. You know, yeah. you want him working within that pick-and-roll with one of your two ball handlers in Dinwiddie or Luka. But, I mean, you know, he is an – He's an offensive threat, and he can do some things outside of just um, playing within a system, you know, and um, playing within the structure of, you know, how the ball handlers are trying to, you know, help manipulate a play to get him open or get him a shot. Like, you know, he can create for himself if need be, and, you know, I felt like that was showcased a little bit on um, Friday night, and um, it was really – yeah, Friday night, so – I mean, yeah, it was really cool to see, and I'm really excited for his fit going forward. I think Mass fans should be excited. I mean, let's see what he's got. He's got, you know, he's got much more to prove to us. It's just preseason, but yeah. needless to say, it was a good game. Um, just going through some of the rest of the roster. Uh, who else stood out to you on um Friday night versus the Magic? Uh, well, I mean, of course, Luca. Uh, Luca got Luca. Luca looks like he's moving really, yeah. really well. Luca, that was I my mean, big takeaway. Obviously, he kind of went in and just toyed around and looked like you know the best player on the floor easily. But um, as I iterated in Eurobasket, like the way he's moving, it you know, it looks like a complete far cry from the past two seasons compared to now. Like he's looks like he's in that sort of, you know, yeah, exactly. From the beginning of the season, it kind of looks like he's shaping up to potentially be in that MVP form. Yeah, exactly. Like that, that's what I kind of took is, you know, Luca looks mid season form and we're, it was October 7th at that time. Um, All right. One more question about Christian Wood or I guess just kind of answer whatever. Um, I know that this stat was kind of thrown around the Twitter world. Uh, I believe it was Tim, Tim McMahon uh, that kind of reported on this. Uh, Christian Wood had 39 points total in the preseason, shooting 15 of 25 from the field, I believe in 45 or in 44 minutes. Um, I guess how much credence do you take to that? Because, I mean, after all, it is preseason. And do you think that that can correlate into the start of the season? I mean, offensively, I think certainly, like um... – I don't think it takes a mastermind or a genius to be able to figure out how to, you know, make the dynamicism between Christian Wood and Luca work out together. I mean, you know, an NBA coach obviously plays an important role in um, furbishing a team and how they play. But, you know, I don't think, you know, you need Jason Kidd back there just to be able to figure that out. These guys fit seamlessly together. So, yes. you know, for me to, you know, I, I just, and especially, you know, we had our questions in training camp and all that, but I mean, I think offensively, there's no question about how Christian Wood's going to be able to play um, this season. I mean, that could be me overreacting from the preseason game, but you know, to answer your question, I do think that offensively, Christian Wood um, is going to be, you know, really few um, providing a new 
sort of um, ability to this Mavericks team at the uh, big position that they honestly really haven't had since. I don't um, even know since. Like, I I think this might be. Oh, I mean, okay. I'm going to say this and this is going to come off really like the wrong way, but I got, you know, that they haven't had since Dirk, but not in the sense that he's anywhere near as good as Dirk like that, but just like a a dynamic big that can stretch the floor, but can also create offense for himself to an extent. You know, obviously they're two totally different players. You know, Christian Wood obviously is a really good pick and roll threat, um, rolls hard to the basket, you know, is a much better finisher. But, you know, Dirk is tenfold the, the player Christian Wood is. But, you know, in terms of the Mavericks um, having a big like that, um, definitely, you know, because obviously the only other big that we can kind of compare him to in terms of um, recent Mavericks history, in terms of having this potential uh, level of effectiveness upon the game would be KP. And obviously, you know, he, his tenure in Dallas is very up and down. Uh, I don't, and you know, Christian Wood is five inches shorter than KP. Uh, I don't think he, um, you know, barring something freakish, he's not the, he's not shown that he's going to be in really injury prone player. You know, he's a, seems like he's a good stable, you know, obviously six ten. you know, he's tall, but he's not seven foot three. He's not unhealthily um, tall in terms of the bearing upon his, joints and how playing basketball just playing could injure him not any of the freakish accidents or anything like that so you know that doesn't concern me as much and you know just the stability there is um you know obviously like what excites me there so um yeah to me to answer your question I mean yeah I don't um think it will be a problem in the uh, beginning of the regular season in terms of Christian Wood's offensive fit like yeah, whatsoever. Okay. yeah that that's kind of basically what I was just looking for so yeah, um, I think we pretty much covered Luca. Like looked in midseason form, uh, there was not a bad form in Luca's game all night, and even in the second quarter, um, whenever it kind of just seemed like he was out there, um, he was he, he seems like he was just kind of having fun. Like he really wasn't clocked in, um, and I mean it's a preseason game, so if anybody's going to critique critique him on that, then I think you've got other places to look. Um, but yeah, like. I didn't see anything negative out of Luca. Um, I guess next, do we want to talk about JaVale McGee? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, let's just kind of, like, run through these guys. Um, what were your general thoughts in terms of all the guys that, uh, you know, played? Like, particularly, like, let's start with, like, Maxie and Tim Hardaway since okay. they didn't play yeah. in the first preseason game. Yeah, so Maxie, I, th- I thought Maxie looked really good. Um, Maxie, productive night. Um I mean, he didn't really get any shots. I know he had one three. Uh, this was kind of like a really nice highlight. This reminded me of playoff Dallas Mavericks, uh, where I think it was in the first quarter, um, but the ball was pretty much passed all the way around the arc, and then it found Maxi Kluber in the right um, three point or in the right corner, uh, and he shot a three point shot, and it went in, uh, and that just kind of reminded me of like playoffs playoff yeah, form, the, the ball moving on that play was immaculate. yeah ball movement yeah oh uh, we can't say immaculate anymore um yeah i guess we can't but uh r.i.p <laughs> but um yeah no i mean maxi looked like from what i was able to watch of course i didn't watch second and third quarter but he, lo- he looked really good and potent defensively yeah um, he was, defensively you know, he was unlocked yeah i mean you know not a ton of minutes from him of course but you know i thought he looked fine uh, Tim, uh, go go ahead and get in a little bit into Tim's game. I saw that one uh, drive that he had in the first quarter that excited me. You know, because anytime Tim Tim is attacking to open up his outside game, he tends to get better looks because you know you guys are having to account for two things. You know, obviously Tim's a better shooter than he is. You know, a finisher. I guess that's a fair argument to say, but you know, you know, just eliminating the bad shots and you know making sure that he's shooting, you know, more consistent and better threes is definitely you know something that. Um, is going to be better for him this year. And, you know, obviously there's the argument of, you know, Carlisle's offense versus Jason Kidd's, especially with Tim possibly being relied upon to relieve some ball handling duties this year. Um, but so just go ahead and get into his game because, I mean, uh, from what I saw, um, given I didn't see his second and third quarter, like he looked he, he looked like the Tim Hardaway of old. And that's yeah. not, not the 2021-22 uh, Tim Hardaway, but the, you know, one of the previous two seasons. Yeah, so I guess is what really stuck out to me. You know, he didn't have the most efficient night. He shot 33% from the field uh, on two of six shooting. Um, but really what stuck out to me is, you know, whenever you would mentioned earlier about that that drive uh, where he kind of dunked the ball, 
he looked completely healthy. Like it didn't look like his foot was bothering him at all. Uh, There's nothing on that end that looked uh, remotely harmful. Um, And then just shooting the ball, you know, I I think I had tweeted um, because I got the Twitter hands for the second and third quarter, but I had tweeted like Tim Hardaway is taking Tim Hardaway type shots. And uh, I mean, you just have to love it. Like we haven't seen that in a long time. Like Tim Hardaway um, type shots in the sense of, Oh no, no, no. It's just one, one man possessions, pull up threes, that kind of thing. Um, but confidently taken and um, not not stupid shots by any means. Oh, okay, uh, okay. So like they were at least open looks. Yeah, they were, yeah they were open looks or like he'd do a dribble move and then uh, dribble into a three, like that kind of thing. He wasn't just uh, like chucking it like when like when he first got here, you know. No, it, no, it wasn't anything like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, like like I said, like you know, it wasn't the most efficient night. I think efficiency will just come. Uh, as we near probably mid-season form uh, for this guy, you know, I think he's going to take a little bit to kind of edge out and get used to the basketball form. But I, I really liked what I saw out of him. I didn't see anything bad. I mean, defense, like defensively, I don't think that we should expect anything major out of him. Uh, I'm trying to see. I thought he had a block, but I guess not. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like defensively, like it's just Tim Hardaway defense. You're going to get what you're going to get. I mean, you know, uh, he supposedly for the coaching staff has improved defensively, but you know, just Tim defending better within a team construct. Maybe if he can defend a little bit better off ball, you know, be more crisp in his rotations. That's um, all I can ask for him. I'm not asking him to be a guy that can go stick the opposing team's best player by any means. Cause you know, time and time again, we can definitely see that that's not going to be the case with that guy. Yeah, um, exactly. but no. Yeah. I mean, you know, he looks healthy. He doesn't look like, there's any sort of thing hampering his game. He doesn't look like he's a step slow compared to pre-injury. So, I mean, I'm excited to see how he he pans out because he's essential to this bench unit and him, you know, especially uh, I hate to bring up this discussion because, you know, obviously Tim, you know, I love Tim, love his fit on this Mavericks team, but, you know, his contract is a tradable one um, and one that could be moved in deals and, you know, rekindling some of his value in terms of a guy, if you're going to be looking at trading, you know, sometime this, um season is uh definitely really essential so for him to you know be on the positive side of the totem pole um in terms of trade talks would be huge for the mavericks yeah exactly um go ahead i guess like i wasn't i was just kind of gonna go forward um like i kind of want to get javel mcgee out of the way um like i i know really all he did was play that first quarter um did you see anything out of JaVale McGee that, like, you weren't really expecting or anything like that? No, not at all. I mean, really good drop coverage, big, really good. I mean, JaVale's an underrated perimeter defender. I mean, he, yeah. he moves his feet really well laterally, and I think that that gets undermined. But, I mean, just what we expected. You know, he had one lob with Luke, obviously, that just looked really good. But, you know, he's a he's a threat, and that opens up space, especially um, him and Luca in the pick and roll. Um, it's – you know, you have to account for both of them, and that, that get, tends to get really difficult. He's just a good veteran presence who knows where to be and what to do, and he has, even at his, you know, age 34, 35, whatever it is, has the athleticism to back it up to an extent. I mean, he's still just as athletic as, a, you know, maybe not as his younger days, but as a lot of NBA centers out there. And, um, I mean, he's a big body. He's, you know, listed at 270. Strong guy. He gets in there, grabs boards for the Mavericks because, plays great interior defense and that's what I expect him to do in this starting role for 15, 20 minutes a game. Cause the Mavericks are really going to need that at the center position, especially, um, you know, we don't know how Christian Wood's going to, you know, pan out defensively. We kind of have yet to, that's a TBD type thing. Yeah. So, um, I mean, yeah, just kind of like not, you know, I don't want to see a high dosage from JaVale in preseason because, you know, he's older guy veteran, you know, let's save his legs of course, but no, I mean, I'm excited for his fit. Um, yeah. when it comes to the regular season. But, yeah, I mean, I didn't see anything really that I didn't expect, but I was really happy with what I saw. Yeah, um, I, I think one takeaway, you know, we're going to get JaVale. Like, we we know what we're getting out of JaVale. It's that pick-and-roll type stuff, what you literally just mentioned. Um, I think one kind of threat – this might be a little bit of a stretch. Um, one threat, I think, that could play an effect, uh, you know, guys with, like, Dwight and stuff like that, you know, they're giving the ball at the top of the key, and they just kind of hold it. Uh, if it's the end of the shot clock scenario, you know, of course they have to chuck it up. Um, but with JaVale, like he has a little bit of a dribble move with him. Uh, like he, he, he can't, he can dribble the ball. 
um, you know, give him a one dribble move. And we saw it Friday uh, where he kind of got the defender off off balance a little bit or not, maybe not off balance, but like um, not on target. I, I, I don't know how to really say it. Um, and then he just drafts to the hoop and yams it. Like, I think that that's going to be kind of a threat that teams have to pay more attention to whenever he's on the court. I'm not saying it's going to happen every night. I'm definitely not saying that. Um, but I just think, you know, that's kind of something that a lot of people just haven't really talked about is he, he can, he can dribble the ball and he can also drive, um, given the floor space, he can drive. And that, that's kind of what stuck out to me, but, you know, of course we're going to get JaVale McGee, the lob threat, um, basically everything that you much you just mentioned, but I, I think that that was something that just kind of stuck out to me. No, I mean, if you look at some of his highlights with the Suns last year, like some of them are him working, you know, within 10 to 15 feet at the end of the shot clock yeah. where he has to put up a hook shot or find a way to get to the rim. And he's actually not too bad at that. Like I, that's a good point that you made. Um, I'm not saying that he can like actually just take guys off the dribble or anything like that, but you know, operating with his back to the basket within 10 to 15 feet, if he has to, you know, do a spin move or, you know, face up on a bigger center and take him to the rim. You know, he's a guy who can do that occasionally. So, you know, some possessions get dead and worse comes to worse that uh, I'm not saying the Mavericks are going to go to that, but, you know, it's not the worst scenario to have. Javille is not just a lost cause, um, as, you know, some people may, uh, you know, deem him to be. And obviously the, the offensive rebounding and the putback, I mean, he has such a quick second jump. He's really good at just getting right back up there. And, I mean, that's another guy along with Dorian that, you know, two guys who are re- really good, willing offensive rebounders. And, I mean, you can even argue Christian Wood and Josh Green both like that too. Um, these are all guys that, you know, are eager to crash the offensive glass. And, um, honestly, this Mavericks roster might have um, one of the best Mavericks offensive rebounding rosters I've seen in recent years. Yeah, no, that that's actually a really good point. I didn't really think about that. But, yeah, I mean, anytime JaVale was on the court, uh, I think in terms of wanting to play, because, you know, there was a while there where I think it was just kind of disappeared, but I think really just kind of everybody disappeared. It's a preseason game, so I'm not going to take too much credence to it. But in the first few minutes, uh, whenever, you know, guys were playing, uh, it seemed like any time that this guy had a position down low, there was always a chance for an offensive rebound or a second possession. No, exactly. I um, mean, that, that just points to um, DeVille's, you know, size and um, strength and, you know, his um, cognitive ability to, you know, realize what he has to do for this team. You know, he knows his role and he knows how to play well within it. So, that no, I definitely um, appreciate that. Well, who else? Like, um, you know, I don't really want to get, I guess, get into too many of the, um, you know, deep rotation guys or exhibit 10 guys or two-way guys. Um, we can glance over them real quick. Um, what did you think of those guys just in terms of, I mean, they, you know, mainly played in the fourth quarter and end of third, I assume, but just give a quick, uh, or uh, a quick, <laughs> a quick, um, I meant to say quick, uh, a quick debrief over um, those guys and what you saw from them in the fourth quarter. Yeah. So um, I guess we'll start with McKinley, Wright. Uh, you know, McKinley, Wright, He had an amazing Wednesday night performance versus the thunder. Uh, and honestly, Followed it up pretty well uh, Friday night versus the Magic. Again, I mean, he didn't have 10 assists. He had three. Um, but the thing was, is the ball didn't need – like, he didn't he didn't need to facilitate the ball like he did Wednesday. Um, it, the offense kind of ran more through uh, Jaden Hardy in those later minutes, and I think that that was kind of a coaching kind of thing. Um, but McKinley Wright, I mean, still, like, just a really good point guard. I know he had one, what should have been and one, uh, really late in the game that kind of got the Mavericks back in it. Um, but yeah, I mean, like he's just a good overall point guard. Like I don't see anything bad in his game in the sense that like he's not he he doesn't deserve a roster spot. Is what I'm basically what I'm saying. Yeah, um, no, I mean, I mean, I think McKinley Wright would have a distinguished role in this team if he could shoot consistently. If he could, that's, yeah, that's, that's the one that's thing hampering his game because I mean he is a really good ball handler and facilitator. It's just, you know, the lack of an outside shot makes it hard for a guy that size to really open up things for him. And he's not even that bad on defense for his size either. So um, if he can develop a shot, I mean, this is a guy that, you know, given time in the Maverick system, let's, who knows what, where he can materialize, where his NBA career could go. So he's, you know, a guy definitely to look at going forward, but it's just developing that shot for him. Yeah. It's really um, weird to say, because, you know, 
you really don't have to say that about most guys that are 5'11 that make it to the NBA. That's usually they're, they're the one thing that they have for certain because, you know, if you get that far in the NBA and you're that size, um, you know, you obviously you have to – you're typically, you know, a really good shooter just to be able to get there. Um, so, obviously, yeah, I mean, you know, I thought he looked good. I still think that he's in the lead position to get that last two-way spot yeah. or roster spot. Um, what did you think of Tyler Dorsey's game, Tyler Hall? Um, Bingham didn't even play in this one. No, um, Bingham and DJ Stewart. And DJ Stewart and and Mo uh, and what what do you think? No, that, of Mogi? Mogi uh, played. Um, no, yeah, I know. It's and I, I mean, like, what do you think of him? Oh, okay. Um, it's like yeah, those, those three guys and um, where they are in relation to being able to um, get a roster spot or a two way spot on the Mavericks. Yeah, so I guess I'll run over Mo Gee and Tyler Hall and then kind of go a little bit more into depth with Tyler Dorsey. Um, but Mo Gee, like a really good defensive player, really nothing out of him offensively. He didn't even put up a single shot. Tyler Hall, uh, I believe he had four straight misses and then went two of two. Yeah, he made two threes in the fourth quarter. Really. Yeah. I mean, um, so, I mean, props. He, he kind of just looks like he's like running around out there, though. I mean, like he makes I, his threes. I like, I think he just needed to get comfortable. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really know uh, kind of like where he projects defensively, but, I mean, he has good size, good length, it, it seems. Um, it seems like it's just a matter of consistency, but he's, I mean, from what I can tell, just a prototypical 3 and D guy. Yeah, um, and in terms for Tyler Dorsey, like he had a much better game than I thought. Like on, I, I think watching the game, I didn't realize that he had actually a pretty decent game. Uh, he had five rebounds to go along with uh, eight points, but – two of four shooting from the three-point line. Um, I don't know. I just kind of felt like he was chucking up everything and everything was kind of missing. And then I went back and checked the uh, box score and found out he shot 50% from three. I guess that just kind of went over my head. But honestly, not a bad game from him. Not a great game, um, but definitely a more, i say, stable game than what we saw Wednesday night versus the Thunder. Yeah, now from what I could tell, like the limited amount of time I got to see him play, he looked a little more, bit more comfortable. Uh, yeah, you know, we'll continue to see like how that situation evolves regarding those guys in terms of if they're going to be able to get the two-way contract and or the last roster spot or what the Mavericks end up doing with all that. That's going to be really interesting to see going forward. You know, and always to add guys from other teams training camp rosters that don't end up making a team. So we'll, we'll kind of see how that situation evolves. But um, you know, really interested to see you know the Tyler Dorsey McKinley Wright situation for sure. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. So. Um, I guess lastly, before we go ahead and get into, you know, the whole Tim McMahon uh, report of Jason Kidd at practice today regarding Spencer Dinwiddie not starting anymore, uh, let's talk about Spencer Dinwiddie and Jaden Hardy. You know, uh, lastly, um, before um, we get go ahead and get into that, uh, so Jaden Hardy obviously started the game off in the Mavericks. What did you see out of these two guys um, this past game for the Mavericks? Um, like I'm gonna be honest here, I didn't really see a whole lot of Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, like just kind of facilitator. Uh like didn't really he had four assists. I think he led well besides Luca, I think he led the team in assists. Uh yeah, he did. Um like he just facilitated the ball really well. Like I didn't see anything defensively that was bad, anything he had a block and a steal. Um I didn't see anything offensively, like scoring wise that was any anything bad. Um, I guess in terms of Jane Hardy, uh, you know. I think it's safe to say that he didn't shoot the ball all too well. But the thing is, is, you know, he was, whether or not he missed six in a row or made two in a row, like he was shooting every ball, like he had made the last. Uh, I, I think that really spoke colors for Jaden Hardy, you know, a young guy going it's, out there. Okay. Hitting. I hate to interrupt you, but you, I, you said it, it spoke colors. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I meant. I've never heard that before. That was just really. I, I mean, okay, there's a term that goes with that, but um, yeah, I, I, I kind of think I maybe it spoke. I'm trying to think. Um, anyways, it was good to see. Um, just because, yeah, I mean, a young guy going out there getting a, a starting role playing next to Luka Doncic, and I know it's a preseason game, but uh, I mean, like, you kind of have to prove to this coaching staff that you're worth these minutes, and I think that he did prove it, even though he had an off night. Uh, shooting wise, I think I still think that he had a pretty good night. Yeah, no, I mean I would second that. I I also think you know Spencer specifically, you know I he doesn't know I you know it's preseason. I can 
kind of tell a difference in terms of his aggression and his assertiveness. Yeah. It almost seems, you know, it kind of looks like he's holding back a little, which, you know, understandable. It's preseason. Um, you know, so I expect a different Spencer one, a little more like we saw in that thunder game. And, um, you know, at times last year, um, maybe not shooting wise, obviously maybe there's some negative regression there with that. But when we get into the regular season, I definitely expect to see that, um, or at least hope to, um, in terms of Jaden Hardy. Yeah. I mean, he stepped in shots with confidence. Um, you know, a lot of his shots were in and out or back iron. He just seemed like it was not his night, but he has a willingness to take shots. He's not like one of he's, you know, that's really good to see because a lot of rookies will get rattled by that sort of stuff. And they, you know, they'll kind of freeze up and stop taking stuff. But I mean, his stroke remains the same every single time his shooting form looks good and, you know, he's still attacking and, you know, trying to get to the basket and all that sort of stuff. So that was really good to see. Um, so obviously, um, you know, let's go ahead and uh, if we're just going to lean into it, um, obviously the uh, quote that came out of practice today was that uh, Jason Kidd is now uh, committed to, um, you know, a new starting lineup, supposedly. We don't really know what that is. Um, but Spencer Dinwiddie is no longer going to be in the starting lineup per Jason Kidd. Um, so that leaves a void for either another wing or another ball handler. So just in terms of Jaden Hardy's game, you know, especially from what you've seen these first two preseason games, can he be the secondary ball handler in the Mavericks starting lineup? Let's just start there before we get into if this is actually a good move or not. For as much as I like a young guy who I can kind of relate to in the sense of age, um, I just don't think that Jaden Hardy can be that. You know, I think that he's, you know, Jason Kidd has reiterated it throughout practice all training camp long and that's all of two weeks but um that you know this this guy's going to be a project kind of guy like he's not going to be this overnight sensation he's not going to be this rookie of the year kind of guy uh and for that sense alone I don't think that he can really fill into the starting spot it definitely seems like a role for him on this team is kind of getting more clear uh and we're kind of seeing a more defined position for Jaden Hardy uh rather than just at the end of the bench um but really, I mean, starting and being that secondary guy, or really even just secondary score, it kind of seems like I just don't see him being that. Um, yeah, like, I, I, I don't know. Like, like I understand Spencer coming off the bench in the sense that, like, this, being, this second unit now is going to be, like, quite literally really good. Uh, you can argue that they might be the best bench squad in the NBA now. Um, but who's going to fill in that starting role? Like, are is – does Josh Green do enough to get by? Does Jaden Hardy do enough to get by? Um, like, there's a lot of questions that can be answered. Uh, like, we again, I mean, we don't know. This is all speculation here. Uh, but it just kind of seems like it falls down to either Josh Green or Jaden Hardy starting. No, I would I would agree with that. Um, just in terms of Jaden Hardy, because, you know, I do obviously want to get more into this topic here in a second. Yeah, but- what specific areas, I guess, were just, you know, some fans that are really optimistic about Jaden Hardy um, and what he could become. What specific areas of his game is he lacking in terms of being a secondary ball handler uh, slash shot creator in terms of in terms of like a level, like a starter level player that can do those sort of things? Like, what is he lacking to become that? Like, what does he have and what does he not have? Um, you know, I mean, we've seen it throughout. Uh, just kind of these reports have gotten, you know, he's dr- like just rookie mistakes, you know, taking one on threes, taking one on fives, that kind of thing. Uh, and I mean, that's just going to come with knowledge and time uh, and experience. And also just the lack of ball handling, like it's still a problem. We don't see it as much as we saw it in summer league, just because I think he was so relied heavily on in summer league. Um, but I mean, I still see it every now and then, you know, drives it drives in the hole on a one on three uh, and then just kind of gets the ball knocked away from him. And uh, I mean, no offense, like in a starting unit, that's just not going to work. Like you're either going to be standing in it. Well, and he can't even stand in a corner. That's the thing. You know, you have Reggie and you have Dorian uh, and these guys are the, the corner specialists for this team. Uh, so it's just kind of like, I don't really know what Jane Hardaway would be doing. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I guess just, I don't know. Like there's a lot of holes in his game right now. I, I think that they, throughout the season, like, I don't know, this is just a hard topic to talk about because 
like seriously, all off season long, it was this narrative that Jaden Hardy was just going to be this end of the bench guy. Now all of a sudden, he's talking about being a starter, and like that, that's pretty crazy to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, like basically, the moral of the story is like I just think a lot of ball handling needs to be worked on for him to be even considered in that role. No, I mean, I I agree with what you're saying. I think you know, primarily for me, it's the playmaking. Yeah, playmaking. Um, I think Jaden Hardy honestly is like you know given the ball handling, you know, he's, he seems like he's a very natural ball handler. So, you know, while it, I don't know if it's much his ball handling skill as it is his ball handling decision-making decision. Like, yeah. Like trying to split a double team when he shouldn't, or, you know, getting too overconfident in his abilities, things of that nature. Um, I think the ability is there. I think that what he, you know, for sure, like needs to work on, you know, just from a skill perspective, playmaking, be, being able to read defenses, getting the ball to guys in the right places. He doesn't project to me as a guy right now, you know, really whatsoever that's going to come in and get a lot of assists or, you know, initiate offense for the Mavericks. You know, he's a guy that can play off Luca, spot up, shoot, attack the basket off closeouts, um, you know, or take a guy off one-on-one. Like he can do all that sort of stuff, um, you know, albeit maybe sometimes more effective than not just because the consistency, you know, just having came into the league, but it's really the playmaking for me um, that, you know, I think I would probably push back on. So that leads to the question, you know, if the Mavericks are making this move, trying to take Dinwiddie out of the starting lineup, you know, and, you know, when Jaden Hardy started the other day, we thought that just, this was just going to be another look, you know, it's preseason, try different things out. Let's see how everything works. But, you know, that the Mavericks are at least committed to it for right now. What does this tell you about the Mavericks new play style? Are they trying to operate, you know, given this current roster, are they trying to just operate with one ball handler on the court at all times? Are they trying to stagger Luca and Dinwiddie's minutes um, and then surround them with spot-up shooters and a rolling big? Um, you know, in Christian Wood's case, if, you know, if JaVale's not on the floor, I guess, or um, if one of – if Dwight or JaVale's not on the floor and you're rolling with either Maxi and Christian Wood or just one of them, um, is this something that the Mavericks are trying to do where they're, you know – playing five out um, and you can have multiple guys, you know, being able to attack from any point or, um, you know, being able to move the ball around the horn to get a good shot. You know, like what does this tell you about the Mavericks play style and the fact that they might be going away from having that two uh, playmaker look just from the standpoint that they maybe think that their personnel doesn't fit that uh, description. Because I think that that's what this move tells me more than anything, that they want to stagger Luca and Dinwiddie's minutes that's, yeah. and that, Whoever's going to be starting in this role is more of a spot starter. Sure, they're still going to be contributing in the rotation. Like, I think Jaden Hardy and Josh Green, we've learned one thing from this preseason, Jaden Hardy might take Frank Nitlikina's minutes. But I think, you know, both of these guys, and Josh Green's obviously had a really good training camp in preseason. But I think both of these guys don't really project as that secondary playmaker that you need. So I think both of these guys are coming in as spot starters, you know, play a good 15, 20 minutes a game. But, you know, they're more like that third wing that you want in the rotation, you know you are looking for defensively or, you know, shooting. So, I mean, I honestly think Josh Green is a better chance to start. Um, but what – I guess what are your thoughts on um, just how that um, – the, the new Mavericks play style given um, this move by Jason Kidd? Yeah, so I think that this is an attempt to kind of stagger, like what you mentioned earlier. This is an attempt to stagger uh, Lucas and Spencer Dinwiddie's minutes because let's be real here. Who has run this kind of third ball handler – or even ball handler off the bench role uh, whenever these two guys are off the floor in the, just in the preseason. And the answer is McKinley, right. Or really even nobody for that matter. Uh, Cause we've seen zero minutes from Josh or from uh, Frank Nielakina at the ball handler position. Uh, I guess we saw late minute or late fourth quarter with um, Jane Hardy, but that was about it. So, yeah, um, I think that this is just kind of an attempt to stagger these minutes. Uh, I think that the Mavericks now realize that that's probably a bigger problem than what they went into the season thinking. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like what you mentioned. I think that that was kind of uh, like, honestly, I didn't really think about it. A spot, a spot starter. Uh, I think that spot starter would probably more likely be Josh Green. Uh, you know, he clearly has, I think more, more ability to kind of be a starting kind of go, a starting kind of guy. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think he would be less of a spot starter. Like I think he would. Yeah. Still, yeah. yeah. I think Josh Green elevates to, you know, playing like consistent 20 minutes a game. I think, if you put Jaden Hardy in that role, he is like most, you know, definitely a spot starter. Like sure. He'll play, um, you know, 
obviously like maybe 10 to 15 minutes a game, but you know, he'll be using more of a role of coming off the bench to, uh, you know, just provide shooting and potentially even defense. Obviously he didn't project as a great defender coming out of the G league ignite, but that's a challenge that he has to take. And, you know, he has, he has the physical um, and athletic tools to do it. And that's how, you know, he has to kind of play on this roster, you know, like, like kind of like what I said, like Jaden Hardy can provide some shot creation. There's no doubt about that, but you know, this is not a guy that is this your secondary playmaker. You're playing this guy in a role in terms of being a spot up shooter and um, you know, maybe a tertiary shot creator and, you know, kind of like, a pseudo three and D guy, like, you know, maybe that's not the label that you want to attach to him. Cause that's not the player he's going to be in the future. But in terms of what this Mavericks team needs right now, that's kind of what he is, or that's kind of, or that's kind of what he'll have to play as. And he'll have to adapt to this role. If he's going to get like actual actual rotation minutes, I'm not saying that's the player he is in three years, but in terms of right now, that's the kind of role that he would have to play, especially if he's going to get these spot starting minutes. Um, so, you know, just going off that, um, do you feel like this, this is a, this was blind. Like, do you think that this hit the Mavericks um, in their blind side, essentially um, the fact that they didn't really realize that the ball handler situation was as bad as it was potentially um, that they had to go to this uh, staggering arrangement as I guess we'll call it. Um, do you think that this increases the sense of urgency for them to make a move before the season or during the season to get another ball handler or just find one in general? Uh, like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I guess I'm just going to start out by saying this. I think that the Mavericks knew that this was a problem. I think that they were going to try. They were just and, in self-denial. <laughs> I don't even think it was self-denial. I just think they were trying to control the media. Uh, I, I think that the – like, I, I we've seen it year in and year out where, especially, like, with Mark Cuban around, like, it's just kind of a uh, just buy time kind of thing. Um so, like, just in that sense, you know, I feel like they kind of knew that this was going to be a problem headed into the season. And I guess, you know, how urgent is getting that problem filled? I feel like it's a pretty urgent problem. Uh, I don't think we'll see a trade in the next few weeks. I don't even think we'll see a trade, like, before the season starts or before the regular season starts. Um, but, I mean, like, we'll go into this more. Uh, I, I think that there's a number of teams that are going to offer guys – and I think the Mavericks can jump on that ship. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, it, it, a lot of weird news coming out. And, I mean, it's preseason. Like, we figured there'd be a lot of lineup changes and everything like that. I just thought headed into the season, we had a for sure lineup. And I feel like that that was kind of the best five – not even the best five guys that you could put out there. It was just the best unit you could put out there. The best, like, fitting. Um, yeah, guys. best fitting, yeah. I mean, that you know, that's obviously us not taking into account that the departure of Jalen Brunson, though, like, you know you take a ball in or away, then I guess it changes the, you know, allotment in terms of like how you want to play these guys. And, you know, it does make sense. Like, I'm not going to, if this is what they're going for, I understand why they're doing it. It's not because Dinwiddie's less talented than a Josh Green or a Jaden Hardy or is a, you know, not as good of a creator. It's because the Mavericks need one of those guys on the court at all times. And they think that that's the best way to do it. If they're staggering them, I guess what was interesting to me was that, you know, the Mavericks didn't want to, you know, play a Josh Green or a Jaden Hardy off the bench. They didn't want to shake up this. Like, they just wanted a filler, basically, at that other position. Yeah. It was really interesting to me because, you know, he even mentioned as much, or I think in the quote, it was like, yeah, like our bench, Jason Kidd said something along the lines of our bench, you know, you know, with Christian Wood, uh, Spence, Maxie, and Tim Hardaway Jr. is going you know, to look really good right now. And that obviously, you know, contradicts the fact that any of those guys would start, which, you know, in a scenario where Spencer was not starting, I always assume that Christian was, you know, either Christian Wood or, you know, at least maybe a Tim Hardaway Jr. If things really went haywire would be the starter. So I think that's what's really interesting to me that, you know, you'd spot start one of these guys, but I guess the only one that really makes different, really makes sense to me is Josh Green. Cause I, I think if you're taking too much of a risk in terms of minutes that you're, you know, you're using Jaden Hardy against starting level NBA players. If you're using him in a spot starts, um, spot starting role but if you're wanting to start the game off you know really strong defensively um you know you throw your three best wing defenders out there then stagger them throughout the game with josh green reggie bullock and dorian finney smith no i can i can kind of see that especially with josh green's improvement you know could this be because josh green's had such a good training camp and he's elevated to a point where 
the Mavericks feel like, you know, hey, like we're not sure there, there, there's a significant drop off in terms of the um, playmaking ability from Spencer to Josh, but Josh has got a little better on that end. And, you know, he's and he can still be a really good three and D asset for us as a guy who's going to, you know, get the pace up, run in transition, play great defense and, um, you know, knock down threes at a better clip this season. Maybe that's the case. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, yeah, like I, I think. I, I like I, I just think, you know, Josh Green makes the most sense um, starting wise. Just because, yeah, I mean, like we said, like it, Josh Green makes more sense of a starter because I don't think that you can have Jaden Hardy out there playing against starter starter level guys uh, whenever you're just kind of giving up minutes. Like, I, I just think Josh Green kind of fills those minutes better than Jaden Hardy would. Um, yeah, I guess, like, the, the things that J- Josh Green do, like, I think are more, like, they just offer better skills and offer better things to this offensive lineup um, than what Jane Hardy would do. Because at, at the end of the day, like defensively, I think that Jane Hardy would just kind of be out there. And, you know, whenever you play the Boston Celtics, um, these deeper rosters, like he's going to be kind of looked at to guard like these, these higher level offensive players. And I just don't want to deal with, or not deal, but I just don't, I, I know that there would be a lot of really bad possessions. Um, Whereas if Josh Green was playing defense and we know Josh Green can lock up on defense. Uh, and I don't think that's a question at all. Um, I mean, so, you know, sometimes we can question his um, over fouling and him being yeah, jumpy, yeah. but you know, if that, if he, if he continues to be able to contain that a little bit, you know, he's a really good defender. None like one-on-one. Which just throughout the preseason, I feel like we've seen him kind of take a more chilled relaxed role mature uh, not not even yeah mature sense in like his own basketball game uh like i you know i still think that the offense is just going to come with time um but you said that you'd be more you'd be more comfortable with josh green um on offense than Jaden hardy oh you care to elaborate it at all do you think like no Jaden hardy would be like a ball stopper essentially like if he was uh with the starting five like what what was your what's your argument for that like I don't, I don't think Josh Green. Like honestly, I think Jaden Hardy's a better offensive player. I just think Jaden Hardy is such a hole on defense, um, especially if he's going to have to be playing starter, starter caliber guys. Uh, that Josh Green just makes more sense. And the thing is, is like Josh Green, he's not going to be looked for as like this. Oh, I guess he would be in that roster, uh, or in that lineup, um, as like a secondary ball handler. And like Josh Green does enough to have a handful of assists, have a handful of, you know, just passing down low kind of moves um, to where, like, it would be enough. Like, with Jaden Hardy, like – You think it I would just think, be too much? Yeah, I just think it would be too much, yeah. I gotcha. That, that, that makes sense. Um. Anyhow, I mean, yeah, the, the, this is just a really intriguing situation to uh, sort of forecast going forward. Like, is this going to change even more so? Are the Mavericks going to stay with this lineup? Um. I guess at you know point blank, I'm just going to ask you: Do you agree with the decision to, um, you know, I guess in this instance, um, start either Jaden Hardy or Josh Green over one of the aforementioned guys off the bench, um, and Tim Hardaway Jr., Christian Wood, um, Maxi Kleber, or um, I'm missing one. Um, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah. Do you agree with this decision um, by Jason Kidd to? Uh, not inflict one of those other guys in the starting lineup given Spencer Spencer Dinwiddie's now departure from the starting lineup. Uh I don't agree and I don't disagree just in the sense that there's there's a lot of things that you can look for positively and also negatively. Uh positively like this bench unit I think is the best in the NBA. Um and I think yeah I think maybe the first four players like well the first four which I think yeah a playoff kind of lineup or in a playoff roster like if spencer and spencer yeah if spencer and tim play up to their caliber then yes i would agree yeah i'm not gonna say that like in like holistically they're the best okay no yeah like i'm not gonna say there are deeper there are deeper benches in the nba yeah like the The clippers for instance like the nuggets you know yeah um but i don't know it's just like like i mentioned like there's positives and negatives negatives to it um 
like it's just hard to answer because I agree with it in the sense that you want to stagger these kind of minutes because again, I mean, these are these minutes where you're not going to have a ball handler on the court come are going to come sparingly. Uh, like there's going to be a solid 10 minutes, five, 10 minutes a game where Luca or Spencer Dinwiddie is not going to be on the floor or they're both not going to be on the floor. Uh, I guess that's what I was kind of trying to say. Um, and it's how, how do you buy time? And I think that buying time is kind of spacing out these minutes. Uh, having one guy come off the bench, I think is kind of key to just keeping one of these guys out on the floor at all times. And in that sense, I agree with it. Um, until they find a third ball handler, either via trade or who knows, maybe maybe Jane Hardy just blows up and becomes this second team, first team, all rookie. Uh, then I think that that is where our answer lies is via trade. Yeah, no, I mean, in terms of solving the issue, I, I would agree. Um, and via trade at some point, whether that be before train, I mean, before the season starts or before right before trade deadline. I mean, I would tend to agree with you on that. Um, and yeah, like I, I'm definitely looking at, at this with a will see approach. Um, I think, you know, I didn't really look at this from an analytical perspective, you know, before Jason Kidd decided to make this move, but I mean, it makes sense. Um, I don't um, have any, um, I don't have any like trepidations with it or anything like that, but I, you know, I will say that I'm intrigued to see how it looks going forward. Are these the right guys to be starting? I think that that's a situation to uh, monitor going forward. I don't know. You know, I just think that that, that answer is only going to come with time. I can't, you know, at, I guess at face value, like it doesn't look terrible, um, you know, but at the same time, it's not ideal. So we're just going to have to monitor the situation really closely and see how it ends up, you know, affecting the roster and how everything um, and the rotation and like just how everything goes playing forward. Cause right now I think it's kind of a far fetched to say if this is either a good or a bad move, you know, before the regular season even starts, you know, it's it, from the, in terms of staggering the ball handlers, I think it, that in itself, yes, is a good move. But, um, you know, starting one of Josh Green or Jaden Hardy, we're just going to have to see. I, I think yeah, I rely on that. Yeah, we're just going to have to see. Like, I, we're not going to have an answer, uh, especially next Friday. Or, yeah, next Friday. Yeah, we're not going to uh, have an answer then. We're not going to have an answer, you know, until like maybe a few games in the regular season until we start to get to see these guys. Uh, playing some real basketball, but we're excited for it. Um, we will be back either Monday or Tuesday night. I haven't quite decided yet. It's going to depend on how things go. The Mavericks have a huge gap in between preseason games. Obviously, they don't play again until October 14th. But then after that, it gets the ground running. There's only five days in between October 14th and October 19th when the Mavericks take in the uh, Phoenix Suns at Vivint Smart Home Arena in Phoenix, Arizona. The, foot, the former footprint arena. Yes. Or no, Vivint Smart Home Arena is the Jazz Arena. Oh, I bought no, okay. that. Okay, I was about to say, I was like, wait, did they change their name again? Oh man. Um, oh Will, are we are we stoked about opening night? Um Mavericks taking on our bitter rivals, the Phoenix Suns. Are we stoked about it? No, yes, we we are extremely stoked about it. And yes, it is still the footprint arena. You were correct about that, you know, the giant footprint that the Phoenix Suns mascot, um the just, gorilla Harambe, what he is leaving behind. I'm just what? too good. And it's what hey, I, I, I'm excited for the home opener. I get to see John Morant for the first time. Yes. So, Jaren, uh, details to some of the fans um, what uh, I and yours plans are for the uh, home opener. Um, so home opener. Uh, so we both have girlfriends. They like to take their times getting ready. So we will be out of the house. What, what do we think? By 3.30, 4 o'clock to get to dinner and then yes. go to the game. Yes. I want to see all the pregame festivities. Um, so I would like to be there at least an hour before. Um, but yeah, like I, I think that we will be eating an early dinner yes, and yes. we will be headed to the AAC probably around like five 30 at the latest. Yes, sir. Um, and we, we got seats in the two hundreds. We, we've been planning this ever since the formation of the podcast. So we are very psyched. And, um, are we, are we going to be meeting up with, um, listeners of the pod, Jaren? If we it, we if hope it, to meet some of y'all. Uh, yes. I mean, if, if any of you guys are there, out. or just fellow MFFLs on Twitter, anybody, we we want to meet all meet all of you guys. Yeah, no, like that'd be actually really cool. So uh, yeah. we'll we'll have many more opportunities to meet y'all if that if it doesn't happen on October twenty second. 
But with that being said, I, it would still be really cool. Yeah, so make sure to reach out through, uh, to us through Twitter if you're going to be at the home opener or just if you're listening to the podcast and you have any general thoughts, questions, or concerns or um, with anything we said today or you want to reach out to us, just um, hit us up. We're always available at mainstream underscore Maz. We love talking to you guys, engaging with you guys on Twitter, of course. Um, thank you guys for listening today. Um, a bit um, of a long sure to, one. Yes, a bit of a long one, but a necessary one. Um, yeah. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. I mean, oh my God, I just said that. Make sure to um, <laughs> subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Make sure to give us a five-star rating if you've listened this far in the pod. And if uh, unless you um, don't have anything else, um, we thank you guys for listening this far, and we hope to connect with you guys. So yes. you guys have a good one, and we will see you on Monday or Tuesday. Bye-bye. <laughs>